This morning's Bible reading can be found in Philippians chapter 3, verses 1 to 9. Philippians chapter 3, verses 1 to 9. It's on page 952 of the English Bibles, or page 1905 of the Chinese Bibles. Further, my brothers and sisters, rejoice in the Lord. It is no trouble for me to write the same things to you again, and it is a safeguard for you. Watch out for those dogs, those evildoers, those elitators of the flesh. For it is we who are the circumcision, we who serve God by his spirit, who boast in Christ Jesus, and who put no confidence in the flesh though I myself has, have reasons for such confidence. If someone else thinks they have reasons to put confidence in the flesh, I have more. Circumcised on the eighth day of the people of Israel, of the tribe of Benjamin, a Hebrew of Hebrews, in regard to the law, a Pharisee, as for zeal, persecuting the church, as for righteousness based on the law, faultless. But whatever were gains to me, I now consider loss for the sake of Christ. What is more, I consider everything a loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord, for whose sake I have lost all things. I consider them garbage that I may gain Christ and be found in him, not having a righteousness of my own that comes from the law, but that which is through faith in Christ, the righteousness that comes from God on the basis of faith. Great job, Adam. Thank you for serving us in that way. I'd uh, love for you to have uh, your Bibles open at that passage. That would be really helpful as we uh, look through it together. Uh, and I'm now going to lead us in prayer for our time in God's Word. Would you join with me? Father God, we thank you for this uh, day that you've given us, this beautiful autumn day, for the freedom and openness we get to gather, with no fear of persecution or bombs, and that we have uh, your word open in front of us that we can read. And so we ask that you would help us to respond with faith and repentance, that we would believe your good news, and so rejoice in Jesus. We pray in his beautiful name. Amen. Well, we're uh, continuing in our holiday series, which we've called uh, Modern Problems, Ancient Solutions. And the, uh, the question, the topic before us today uh, is the search for identity. Now, that's that whole question that we wrestle with in life about who am I? It's the whole search for meaning and significance that we have. Uh, it's the whole, why do I matter? Um, it's, it's who you are underneath all the layers. It's who you are beyond the kind of face we put on in public, at work, amongst our friends, family, on Facebook, Instagram, even here at church. That face we put on beneath that, behind that, who you really are. And, and if you're a bit older, um, mainly parents, uh, grandparents, it's that moment that you have in the morning sometimes when you get up and you look at yourself in the mirror and, and once you get beyond the kind of shock of those wrinkles that you didn't realize were there and, and those tired parent uh, bags under your eyes, and you think, I didn't realize I looked that old, that tired. Um, once you get kind of beyond that shock and, and you sort of look at yourself and you say, who, who am I really? Or, or maybe it's that moment when you're lying awake in bed at night 
with all the questions and challenges of your life kind of bouncing around uh, in your mind. And, and you think, what, what's it all about? Why, why am I here? That's our modern search for identity and significance and meaning. And in one sense, it really is a very uh, modern problem. Um, like in the ancient world, they didn't really ask this question, who am I? Um, so if you went back in a time machine about 2,000 years and, and you walk, started walking around saying, who am I? They would look at you strangely and say, well, what, do you, what do you mean? Don't you have a family? You have a, a job, a, a, a village, a career? What do you mean you don't know who you are? You have those things. And, and that's very much the way it was in the ancient world. It, it wasn't that identity didn't matter. It matters just as much as it does today. But we didn't search for it. The, the big difference was that identity was kind of just given to you. It was worked out for you based on village, faith, job, family, tribe, and so on. And, and we saw that in, uh, in Philippians 3. as The Apostle Paul writes about uh, his own life. And he speaks uh, there in verse 5, he says uh, that he was circumcised on the eighth day of the people of Israel, of the tribe of Benjamin, a Hebrew of Hebrews, in regard to law of Pharisee, as for zeal, persecuting the church, as for righteousness, based on the law, faultless. See, there's no who am I from Paul there. Paul had a very clear and robust uh, and a rich understanding of who he was, based on his race, his tribe, his faith, his job. In the ancient world, they didn't wrestle with who am I. No, it was worked out for them. It was given to them. And it was very clear and stable and settled. Now, in our modern Western culture, we, we find that a bit off-putting because we feel like it makes us just a little cog in the machine. Uh, we think there's no room for freedom and choice for the individual. And so in Western modern culture, we've kind of pushed completely the other way and we've made uh, individual freedom and choice supreme. And so much of the way we do life today is so fluid and flexible. Think about it, relationships, uh, more recently in our culture, sexuality and gender, but even in terms of where we move and what kind of jobs that we do, it's very fluid and flexible. So, so think of it this way, if you're uh, in year seven or you have a child in year seven or a grandchild in year seven, stick up your hand. We've got one. Yeah. So the jobs that these guys are going to do, that you guys are going to do when you leave school or uni or TAFE, researchers are saying that around 80% of those jobs haven't been invented yet. And during working life, you'll probably do 20 different jobs. So much of life is so fluid and flexible. We have lots of freedom and choice today, but it also means we have this modern angst, this question, this search for identity. Who am I? Why do I matter? Where do I belong? And so then we have our modern solutions to this modern problem, and really we end up saying, I will do it. I will search for my own identity. I will build my own identity. And we can either do that by searching outside ourselves or we can do it by searching inside ourselves. Outside ourselves is saying, I am what I achieve. Inside is, I am who I say I am. Now, this isn't a conscious, deliberate thing often. It's sort of something that we fall into. Like, none of us sits down one evening and comes up with a 20-year plan for our identity, right? We just kind of end up searching for it in a certain way. 
So as we chat about this over the next few minutes, I want you to ask yourself, am I one of these? Have I fallen into one of these? Okay, so outside, I am what I achieve. Now, the big ways we do this is family and career, right? We look for identity, we define ourselves and based on what we can achieve in our family and our career. And parents, we absolutely do this when we try to live through our kids or our grandkids. But when they're successes, we feel like are our successes. When they're doing well at school or sport or even here at church, we feel good about life. We feel like we have a, a robust identity. I know who I am as a parent. I am what I have achieved in my family. Or, or we can do it with our careers. Now, we know that we all do this. And you know the way that we know that we do this? Think about this. When you meet someone new, what's one of the first questions we want to ask them? What do you do? What's, what's your job? See how much we define ourselves based on what we do? And so then we do this other thing straight after that. Once they tell us what they do, we do this other thing, which we know is really unfair, but we can't help but do it. We rank people based on what they say. So they say, oh, a doctor, a, a lawyer, a senior executive. Like, we, wow, that's great. I often get this as a pastor. I'll... Um, the uh, boys' soccer training, meet a new dad one evening and, and we're talking and they say, oh, I'm in sales or whatever. And, and then they say, oh, what do you do? And I say, I'm a pastor, an Anglican minister. And then there's this kind of, oh, uh, okay. And they don't really know what to do with me, uh, which makes some really interesting conversations. We search for identity, you know, careers, our family, outside ourselves by what we achieve. But the problem with that is it's so insecure and unstable. Because when we're doing well in our careers or our families are flourishing, then we, we feel great. We feel like we have a really robust identity. I know who I am. But it's so insecure. It's like a house built on sand. There's no stability when the storm comes. See, when the storm comes, when we lose our job or we're unemployed for a long period of time or our careers kind of flatline and we get passed over for promotion again and again or we hit that midlife crisis and we burn out in our jobs or, or our families fall apart and the kids go off the rails, we feel terrible. We feel like a failure. And it's really hard to be around people who are doing really well in their family and their careers. It's why uh, researchers are saying that uh, the divorce rate seems to go up amongst empty nesters. When the kids move out of home, divorce rate goes up. It, it seems that if the identity of the marriage and the individual has been built around raising kids, family, what they achieve when the kids move on, what's there to share? See, this is the danger of building our identity by saying, I am what I achieve in my family, my career. It's so unstable and insecure. So then, uh, more and more in our modern culture, we, we say, look, well, that's right. We don't want to build by what we achieve. Let, let's look inside. I am who I say I am. In the last 20, 30 years, our culture's really kind of breathed this in because we've said there is no God. We are a post-Christian country. We say there's no moral absolutes. No one can tell me what's right and wrong or how to live my life. I am free to decide. And don't put any labels on me. I will look inside. I am what I achieve. I am who I say I am. 
We did this in the area of spirituality. We said, uh, you can't say whether I'm a Christian or not, whether I live a moral life or not. I will tell you. And then more recently, we've done it in the area of gender and sexuality, haven't we? Don't put biological labels on me. I am who I say I am. That's what happens when we build our identity by saying I am what I achieve, why I am. And many people in our culture feel that it feels very sensible, it feels very empowering, that the individual should be allowed to do whatever they like. But again, it's so unstable and insecure. Because if there is no God, then all this, you and me, we're just an accident. There is no meaning to life. We're just cells bouncing around in the universe. And so this search for identity is just a silly game. It's a waste of time to ask, who am I? Because it doesn't mean anything. There is no purpose. Think of it this way. If there is no God, then we are free to do whatever we like. But we have no meaning and purpose. But if there is a God, we're not free to do whatever we like, but we do have meaning and purpose. This is our modern problem, our search for identity. We, we look outside, I am what I achieve. We look inside, I am who I say I am, but it's unstable and insecure. But, but what if you didn't need to search? What if identity was given to you, meaning was given to you? That's what the Apostle Paul discovered, and, and he writes about in Philippians 3 that we read before. We, we saw before, as we mentioned, that he had a very secure, very robust and rich identity. I'll read it again so you can see it. Verse 5, circumcised on the eighth day of the people of Israel, of the tribe of Benjamin, a Hebrew of Hebrews, in regard to the law, a Pharisee, as for zeal, persecuting the church, as for righteousness based on the law, faultless. Like he lists off seven things there. And in Paul's culture, in first century culture, Jewish culture, he ticked all the boxes. Like he could pull out this long list and just say, look at how, my, how secure I am, what my great identity is. He wasn't searching for who he was. He knew exactly who he was. But then Paul did something really shocking in his culture. Did you notice before, verse 7, But whatever were gains to me, I now consider loss for the sake of Christ. What is more, I consider everything a loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord, for whose sake I have lost all things. I consider them garbage that I may gain Christ. Did, did you see that? Did you see how he spoke about his robust and rich identity? Loss, loss, garbage. Why would he do that? Why would he do that? Because he'd found he'd been given something better. Did you see that? Verse 8, I may gain Christ, uh, sorry, verse 9, and be found in him, not having a righteousness of my own that comes from the law, but that which is through faith in Christ, the righteousness that comes from God on the basis of faith. He knew that Jesus had given him this wonderful gift of righteousness, forgiveness of sins, salvation. And it was a gift because, look again, verse 9, it was not having a righteousness of my own that comes from the law. So it wasn't something he achieved or he did, but that which is through faith in Christ, the righteousness that comes from God on the basis of faith. It was 
accepted on faith, a gift on faith. That's how a gift works, isn't it? You don't work for it. You don't achieve it. It's given to you. Like on your birthday, you get a gift. It's actually my birthday today. Um, so there you go. Yeah, Thank you. One person. I had a better reaction at nine, can I say? Um, <laughs> but that's no pressure. Yeah, there we go. Yeah, thank you. Thank you. Thank you. No, no, no. Please, please. Now, when my kids uh, give me some kind of present when I get home at lunchtime today, they've gone home earlier than me, so I've given them pre-warning at nine. Um, uh, it, it would be really odd if they gave me the gift and then I pulled out my wallet and said, how much do I owe you for this? Well, that's not a gift, is it? Now, I know parents and particularly mums, uh, you end up buying your presents as your kids get older, right? You know, Here's what you bought me if you'd remembered um, to buy me a present. But that's, that's not how a gift works, right? It, a gift is given and you don't pay for it. And, and that's what Paul had discovered. He knew that Jesus had given him this greater gift. To put it really simply, he knew that when he died and he stood before God and God said, why should I let you into my heaven? Paul would say, not because of anything I've done, but because Jesus died for me. Paul knew that he'd been given an identity, a salvation that was better and more secure and richer than anything he could ever achieve for himself. It's just like in Matthew 13, 44 that we saw in the video before. The kingdom of heaven, Jesus says, is like treasure hidden in a field. When a man found it, he hid it again. And then in his joy, went and sold all he had and bought that field. You see what he does there? He sold everything. Everything it achieved and of one for himself, he sold that. Why? Because he found a greater treasure, something better than what he'd achieved. That's why Jesus says, joy, in his joy he did this. He was so delighted at this treasure that he'd found, he was willing to give up everything for something better. And that's what Paul says, that he'd been given something far greater than what he'd ever achieved as a Pharisee. And so Paul looked at his great long list of achievements and he looked at the treasure that Jesus had given him. And there was no comparison. There was no comparison. And so he says, I just threw that all in the garbage and accepted the free gift of salvation and followed Jesus. And that's what Jesus calls us to do, to throw away trying to achieve our own identity, search for our own identity and accept this wonderful identity as forgiven sinners. Now, to help us kind of grasp this, I'm going to need some volunteers from the kids or those who are kids at heart. Um, stuck on the doors are some pictures of the ways, some of the ways that we try to build our own identity. And so I need five volunteers, and there's a chocolate reward uh, to help you get out of your seats. But parents, if they have a, like a chocolate allergy or something, please don't send them forward. Um, all right, five volunteers. Hands up. You want some chocolate? One, two... Three, four, five. Okay, grab one off the door. There's two there, three over here. Come up, guys. Okay, what have we got here? Uh, thoughts. So sometimes we try and build our identity by our thought process, what we think about ourselves. It's all in our heads, uh, and often that's quite destructive. Uh, Jesus says... 
Get rid of that. Stop trying to build your identity around what you think of yourself and accept the free gift. There you go. Uh, next. All right. Education. Well, this is very big in middle class circles, isn't it? What degrees we have, we form an identity, a status around that. Jesus says, let go of that and receive the treasure. There you go, Sebastian. What have we got here? Compare. This is big, very big on younger cultures and Facebook and Instagram by how many likes and what people think of you. Let go of that and receive a free gift of eternal life. And stuff, okay, middle class, very, you know, our things that we accumulate uh, in our lives, our status around that, we let go of that, receive the gift of identity in Jesus and popular. So again, do people like us, do they rate us? Let go of that, receive the free gift. All right, now that's really clear, right? Get rid of all those things. Paul says they are garbage, throat. he considered them loss, everything he'd achieved for himself. Jesus says, let go of all those ways that we try to build our own identity and receive the free gift, the greater treasure of salvation in Jesus. But here's the thing. Some of us will be thinking, that's a little too intense, a, a bit kind of dramatic, uh, a bit over the top, a bit too spiritual. It sounds like Jesus wants us to quit our jobs, ignore our families, and don't enjoy life. Just be really spiritual. But no, Jesus invented jobs and families and life. He wants us to enjoy jobs and family and life. But even more than that, greater than that, that Jesus is like the treasure in the field. He's always better than everything we could construct for ourselves. So here's the important thing. Here's the kind of take-home point. If you've been slightly distracted and thinking about other things, here's the one thing to take home. When we try to build our own identity by saying, I am what I achieve or I am who I say I am, we are always settling for less. When we try to build our own identity, we are always settling for less. So we have a choice. Do we want to work for our own identity or do we want to receive the gift of Jesus' identity? Do we want to try to build our identity on the unstable sand or do we want to rest on the rock of Jesus' identity? Because when we try to build our own identity, search for our own identity, it's a bit like applying for a job when you already own the company, right? That'd be ridiculous, wouldn't it? Imagine at uh, Microsoft Corporation, they're looking to employ um, a new sales executive, a new senior programmer, and they've got the interview room and candidates are coming in, and then this guy walks in. That'd be a, a bit strange. What are you doing here? Oh, I'm applying for the senior sales executive job. But you own the company. Like, why, why would you apply for the job? It'd be ridiculous, wouldn't it? And that's what it's like when we try to build our own identity. It, it's, it's a waste of time. We don't need to. We've been given this rich identity in Jesus. And so today, for each of us, there's kind of a head and heart response. The head response is to just realize, to see, that Jesus gives us this wonderful identity as forgiven sinners. The heart response is, is to let go of trying to build status ourselves and rest in the identity that Jesus gives us. Well, there's our modern problem, our search for identity. And modern solutions are to say, I am what I achieve, I am who I say I am, but it's insecure and unstable. The ancient solution 
is that Jesus gives us a secure and rich identity as forgiven sinners. Let's pray. Lord God, we thank you for this time we've had in your word and that we've been able to hear you speak. We thank you for uh, what you spoke through the Apostle Paul of his transformation from being secure as a Pharisee, a persecutor of the church, building his own righteousness, and how you showed him the greater treasure, who is Jesus. And so we ask that you would help each of us. We, we have this same struggle. We, we know the truth. We've just read it in your word, and yet we so quickly slip into building our own identity, trying to search for our own identity. Please rescue us from this foolish, exhausting struggle and help us to rest in the identity that Jesus gives us as forgiven sinners. We pray this in Jesus' beautiful name. Amen.